start eight 1009.2020 welcome to star trek discovery pod a kind of smart kind of funny podcast about new star trek and beyond i'm your reluctant captain mike garcia with me on the view screen is mariah gossett <laughs> and trust me grant davis is here there, there he, he is. is i'm here he's here <laughs> tardy but he made it grant warp in that was perfect timing. We're just about to introduce you. Well, hey, I'm here. All right. <laughs> thanks for getting that. Thanks for thanks for beaming in, Grant. And Clyde is on another away mission. This time to Little Riza. He's at Little Riza, but he'll be back next week after he gets his fill of the Jamaharam, of course. <laughs> He's got to bring that statue with him. Word. Uh, so this week we're covering the season one finale of Star Trek Lower Decks episode 10, No Small Parts. We're also going to touch on the more exciting Trek news that came out of New York Comic Con today. But before we get into it, Mariah, can you tell everyone how they can support the pod? Yes. So if you would like to support this little podcast of ours, there's a few ways you can do that. One is by subscribing to the podcast. Uh, that can be on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your pods. Uh, and you can find all of the links to all of those places at StarTrekPod.co. I would also like to add that you can help support us another way by going to Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. And there you can make your pledge to us, that means that every time we post an episode, you give us a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, whatever's in your heart. We do recommend the two dollar an episode value because with that you get exclusive access to the Slack channel where everyone can chat about all things Trek. We have a whole bunch of different forums there that you guys can uh, discuss everything from books and movies to general discussion, crazy details and theories and spoilers. Uh, we'd love to have you guys come join. We have a great gang over there right now. And the more the merrier. We would also like to point out that if you guys do join us, you would also get access to um, exclusive episodes that we've recorded. We've been reviewing um, Badass Women of Trek. That's a little series that Mike and Mariah have been doing. We've also been going into the Kelvinverse movies currently. Um, we did <laughs> a bit of the, the Genesis original series movies, and now we're doing... Uh, the Kelvin verse ones, and they're much better. Uh, hey, Grant, so, yeah. uh, we can barely hear you. You're very low. You need to get out that chair, go to the mixer, ah! turn that gain up. I'll Do it. Other, Do otherwise, it. we can't have a proper hot freaks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As Grant was saying, you can uh, join us on patreon.com slash Star Trek pod, uh, two bucks an episode, and that'll really help us out. Also, if you're watching us live tonight on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or Facebook, please participate in the live chat. And if you have a comment or a question you want us to address tonight on the pod, just type the word pod, P-O-D, in all caps before your comment so we can see it. Hey, Grant, how you doing? Can you all hear me? Am I too loud now? No, That's you it. could probably go up a smidgy more, but, and I can talk about Comic-Con while you do that if you okay. like. <laughs> Yeah, okay, as long as I'm not too loud, I'll, I'll no. go. Turn it up, baby. Okay, <laughs> Mariah. It seems like a dangerous level, but I'll do it. Do it. Let's do it. Okay, Mariah, you are our Star Trek news hound here on the pod. Tell us all about the Star Trek news that came out of today's New York City Comic Con. Indeed. I need one of those like breaking news uh, sound Beep. effects. Like this? <laughs> Beep. Sort of, yeah. Beep. We'll get there. All right. So there Beep. was. 
the main multiverse uh, panel all about Star Trek was today. It was a jam-packed panel. It Beep. started out with our <laughs> lower decks uh, crew. We had the bridge crew as well as our lower decks crew, um, minus Noelle Wells, who was not available, but they put up an adorable picture of her, which uh, kept changing throughout the panel. It was very cute. Um, but yeah, it was great. They talked about the season finale. They talked about their characters, and then we got a surprise visit from none other than Jonathan Frakes. Frakes, Frakes, Frakes. Who, uh, like, the whole cast reaction to him coming into their, like, Zoom meeting was what I think our reaction would be if Jonathan Frakes showed up to our Zoom meeting. They were all so excited, and it just made me think that they are truly the lovable Star Trek nerds that I want and I need in my life. So I, I loved it. And they had a great time talking about how apparently Frakes spoiled the ending for uh, Quaid. He didn't know he ends up on, um, spoiler alert, ends up on the Titan at the end of this season. Uh, so he uh, revealed that Frakes told him that like at the, at a con or something. Um, and then we moved into a disco panel, uh, which included a surprise and adorable uh, appearance by Sinequa Martin-Green's baby, who is super cute. Um, and we also got to see a sneak peek of about the first five minutes or so of the season opener. Dude, what was, did you think of that? I, sorry, sorry to cut into yeah, your role, no. but I want to get your opinion on that. I really liked it. I thought it was kind of Star Wars-y, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, we have like brand new tech in the way that books is flying the ship, you know, like we have like this face coming out of the screen. It was just like, you get dumped into the future very quickly, like we're on brand new ships, brand new tech, but it felt so it still felt like Star Trek. And so that's what I was like, oh, okay. Like this is still our universe, right? But everything's a little bit different and they're flying through the debris of um, of some ships and they're heading to the planet. And of course we're getting this tension of is Burnham gonna fall and hurt herself landing on this planet or possibly die? Um, but yeah, I, I was just ready for it to continue. It was like, it stops right before we get to see if she makes it or not right before sudden impact onto this planet. Yeah. Um, I do like my, my spouse said he was like, Oh, this is their meat cute. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. between uh, Michael and books. And so I thought that was a, a funny way to think about it. Cause I know they've said they have a very dramatic, you know, first encounter and obviously they both crash land on this particular planet. So we're going to get a crash course from them. Um, we also got to meet uh, Ian Alexander and Blue De Barrio, who are our two new crew members. Uh, one plays a trill, the other we haven't had as much confirmation on um, on their character yet. Um, but they shared some really cute stories about, you know, like for Blue, this is their like acting debut. Like what an acting debut to be wow. on this show. Um, and then Ian Alexander had a really funny story about how... Um, Anyway, you should go watch them tell it, but it's like their audition process and how nervous they were and then like now how excited they are. Um, and it was just like really nice. Just I mean, the panel had Tilly, you know, uh, Mary Wiseman was there. Sonequa Martin-Green was there. Doug Jones was there. We also had, um, you know, Wilson Cruz. Um, and he gave like such a good quote because it was like watching this panel, you're like, oh, this is the universe that I want to see both here and on television. And he said, um, 
I wrote down the quote, what we're doing here is an actual reflection of the world as it exists. Uh, and these are the people who inhabit the world. And so why shouldn't our entertainment and our media reflect that back to us? Yes. And I just thought it was like, so, so Star Trek, so Star Trek, right? Like the future, we don't have to wait for the future for everything to look like this. The future is now and we can have shows and television that look and, um, and reflect the world around us. So that was a great panel discussion. And then the biggest news that they shared, uh, at Comic-Con was from the team at Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which is the new animated Nickelodeon show, which is geared towards kids. And they are bringing back Captain Janeway. Is that is that red from, from Orange is the New Black? Yes, Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. I know who that is. Yes. Oh, you're, you're so low again, Grant. Am I still low? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's, what's happening. You're, you sound um, low, but it's also peaking. It's peaking. So maybe slider up, gain down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to get it. We're going to get it locked in by the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Grant is that. not in his usual studio tonight. <laughs> yeah. He had to stay at work late. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Late. Thank you, Grant. Um, but yeah, so uh, Janeway is back. Kate, Kate Mulgrew is taking her rightful place at the seat again. Um, and she is just so excited to bring a new generation into Star Trek and to teach these youngsters the the Jane way, if you will. And yes, I cried a lot at the beginning of the panel because like they were talking about how all of the like women writers in the room and like the women science consultants for the show were just so excited that she agreed to be on the show. So um, it sounds really cool. Essentially, the show is about some kids who find... Uh, like a abandoned Starfleet ship and they go on adventures. So I think it's going to be, it'll be a cool way to see um, how they handle kids, uh, kids IP in the Star Trek universe. So. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. And uh, can, can we hear you now, Grant? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. that sounds so much better. Much Does better. Does that sound better? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thanks Grant. Um. So yeah, Star Trek Prodigy. That's going to premiere I th hopefully next year with Okay, is Captain mm -hmm. Janeway going to be a big part of the show? Do we I, know that? I think so. It's essentially like who the way they phrased it was who's better to lead a bunch of misfit kids than Great. Captain Janeway. Um, so I think she is like the adult mentor, you know, maybe the Miss Frizzle of the situation is mm -hmm. kind of the vibes I was getting, um, right. which also makes me excited. Um, so I think it's going to be, you know, Janeway as mentor, Janeway as scientist, Janeway as leader. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. That is super exciting to have, uh, to see Kate Mulgrew have like a, a third um, comeback, you know, um, she did a lot of stuff in the early eighties, came back with star Trek, was gone for a while, came back with orange is the new black in such an exciting way. And now she's back where she belongs in star Trek and back in the captain's chair. Uh, I do remember she was an admiral mm -hmm. last time we saw her. Uh, so I'm not sure if we're going to get Admiral Janeway or captain Janeway. Maybe she's like Picard and like, and like Kirk, I only want to be a captain. Fuck this yeah. admiral shit. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see, you know, like where it lands as far as like the timeline of things. But um, but yeah, I'm very excited for these new adventures with Janeway. Fucking A. 
Exciting. And we'll have more news on that as um, the pod goes on over the weeks. All right. Let's carve this thing up like a first contact day salmon, guys. Mm. It's time to dive into episode 10 of Lower Decks, No Small Parts, a.k.a. Crisis Point 2, The Rise of the Packlids, a.k.a. Star Trek, colon, Lower Decks, colon, The Titan Edition. <laughs> episode 10 was written by showrunner Mike McMahon and directed by Barry J. Kelly. This is the one where everyone learns Mariner's Secret. The packleds of all species start murdering people with their death ships, and Riker and Troy show up to give the Cerritos a boost with the Titan, aka the other Enterprise. <laughs> okay, as you might know, this is Star Trek Discovery Pod. We don't do hot takes, we do hot freaks. Hot freaks! Ooh, wow, be fun to edit later. <laughs> is this is this working now? Yes. Is this- Freaking microphone. <laughs> you might want to back up two feet there, buddy. All right. <laughs> for that part. Time for uh, hot break. Sorry, ears. Sorry, everyone's ears. <laughs> Mariah, let's hear your hot freak on this episode. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, I was like on the edge of my seat for this entire episode. I mean, the from the cold open and the big reveal to the entire bridge, which I thought was like a funny way to do it with the comm badge because you're always like, how much are they listening to? Like, can you turn it off? Do you have to hit it back for them to hear you? Anyway, it just feels like a lot of personal information can get out there. Um, <laughs> but I just, I love how they handled it through. I am loving seeing Mariner's relationship with um, Captain Freeman continue to develop, you know, in this universe that we get to see um, as, as mother and daughter and how that's going to progress into season two. Um I thought it was such a fun balance of comedy, but also just felt like a general Star Trek finale. Like it was the big finale. We get a big bad. We have a battle. We have puzzles we have to solve. Rutherford gets his big, you know, hero moment. And then, oh my gosh, Shaxx. Like I legitimately got a little teary when Shax pushes that ship out and says, get out of here, baby bear. And then he's like wrestling the people to the ground as the ship explodes. Um, Yeah, I thought this took me on a full emotional journey and was an excellent season finale. And then my face, like, as the they're like, we're getting a signal. And they're like, it's the Titan. And then you like realize that the Titan means it's going to be Riker. And like my face was just like, if you're not watching, you should, because I made a ridiculous face. But um, yeah, I was just like a kid in a candy store for this episode. I loved it. I loved all the references. I thought it was a really, I thought it was the most homage to how much this writer's room and how much this crew of people who make this show love Trek. It was a total love letter to Trek. Grant Davis, you are our our new Trekker on this voyage. Did this finale mean as much to you as it did to Mariah and maybe me? I thought it was a great button on a fantastic first uh, season of this show. I felt a little bit more of an emotional connection with the penultimate, but I, I find that's often the case for me with television shows. I think it's the bigger rising action. And this episode while it seemed like it was going, I mean, it, it's definitely pushing all the characters in directions, and I'm very fascinated by that. But there, there seemed almost a little bit of a an expected 
mechanic to it that I had not been experiencing in a lot of the other episodes. I had a good feeling of where the twists and turns were going to be coming in. Uh, But that that said, I mean, it did have stakes. We had Shax die. We had Rutherford lose his memory. We have um, Boimler going on to another ship and Mariner repairing her relationship with her mom. There's so much that I love about where this pushed the show into a into an inevitable second season, and I'm extremely excited about that. And I thought it was overall a really, really fun and funny episode. I have to agree. I love where we left all of our characters at the end of this episode, especially Mariner and Boimler, who is going off to a new ship, and which maybe means the Titan might be part of our second season. That's pretty exciting. But just to go back, this episode had everything. This episode was everything. It was phenomenal. So packed with exciting, emotional, surprising stuff. Jam-packed with like really sweet, warm Star Trek goodness. And it just flew by with excellent pacing. The pacing was, there was so much stuffed into this episode that I started forgetting great things that happened 10 minutes ago because there were 10 more great things happening right before my eyes as it kept going. I was gripped and excited the entire time. I adored this season finale. Really great character moments, some deep emotional stuff. Mariner and her mother coming to terms or starting to come to terms with their differences and forming a partnership, not only in the moment um, in the heat of battle where they had to, and they were forced to, but at the end, continuing that partnership and figuring out how to make it work for the long term was, was a great, a great cap on the arc we've had with them throughout this entire uh, season, but also uh, a development that I really want to see go forward in season two. So many emotional payoffs. Um, Shaq's death was really surprising and really noble uh, and really sweet for him to sacrifice himself for the baby bear. Hell yes. Bring on season two. I am a happy Trekker, Grant. I do agree, um, even though I really enjoyed the pacing um, and I felt like everything was slotted in really perfectly. All the all the elements and developments were slotted in really well. It just felt really good watching this. I do agree there was something kind of like maybe mechanical or rote about it in terms of like um in terms of like okay here's where the act break goes. You know it was I, I kind of felt the twist some of the twist coming. Um like I kind of knew when I I I think they mentioned the Titan towards the beginning of the episode. So I was like okay that's Chekhov's Titan. It's gonna it's gonna come back. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did. But even when it did, even when I was expecting it to happen in that moment, it still blew my socks off and I still enjoyed it. And uh, I think Mike McMahon and his writers, maybe they knew like, okay, we kind of showed our hand by mentioning the Titan at the beginning. So it might not be a surprise for everyone. So what we're going to do is make sure that the depictions of Riker and Troy are not only true to their original depictions on, in the movies and in TNG, but they're also going to be really funny and really work in the, the you know, the, 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 the lower decks humor style. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So that really worked too. 
Um, all right. Well, let's dive deeper into this episode. Uh, I really appreciated the the opening where we get the reference to uh, an old TOS episode. Mm-hmm. And not only do we get a reference to a TOS episode, but they the show goes even deeper talking about Kirk and Spock um, who dealt with a sentient computer in this old episode. And we see the picture of Kirk and Spock on the pad and it's the animated series mm-hmm. version of them. So like, that's just how they look in the lower decks continuity. They look like the animated series versions of them. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. I thought that was super funny. And I love that. Cause like the original series episode is called return of the art archons archons. I can never say it. Um, but it's like uh, the return to the return, you know, cause like in the original episode, like the, the original people on that planet were, um, uh, earthlings who had moved there. And so it's like this kind of coming back to these folks. And I thought it was really, um, I think it's been smart of them throughout the entire series to visit these different species that very rarely get a lot of screen time, right? Like we haven't seen our usual big bads. It's not the Romulans. It's not, um, you know, the uh, Cardassians. It's like one-offs. And I think I listened to a lot of Mike McMahon interviews today, so I'm not sure. I think it might've been in the, the pod directive where he talked about how they try to use, um, these different alien races that only ever got one episode of a show, because then it means they have more to play with and more fun to be had. And I think it's just so smart. And I think it feeds into the, the larger picture that I think they set up in this finale for season two is like, we're going to continue to try to revisit all of these different alien planets that we've only ever seen once. Um, Cause they have so many that they get to kind of play with and pick from. Yeah, Grant, uh, that original series reference opening probably didn't do much for you, but you could probably appreciate some of it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like the the TOS acronym and how Ransom was kind of uh, discussing all of that. I, I think what I didn't like about the intro, and maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit, but when we have Boimler just kind of blurred out the secret and all it boiled down to, the reason they've, they've kept it so tightly uh, held, was just that they, they didn't want the drama. Like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't anything deeper than that. And I thought for dragging that out as the nine-episode mystery, ten-episode mystery, that, I don't know, I, I thought it merited something a little bit deeper or substantial than they, they just didn't want to make waves, I guess. Because... Especially with how we discussed how heavy the threat came across in the simulation last week, where Freeman was like, if anyone found out, I would completely destroy their career. I would bury them. And I I mean, that said, I thought it was a humorous way to do it. It was a quick pulling off of the Band-Aid. If we eliminate what my my expectations were and my, my hopes, I guess, how it actually played off was good. I could have let that bother me as well, but there was so much other good stuff in this episode that I, it didn't, it didn't bother me as much. Um, I was, I was thinking there should be something a little deeper here. And I watched this episode early in the evening and 
from morning to the afternoon, my, my phone was blowing up with texts of friends telling me, have you seen the episode yet? You have oh, to yeah. see the episode. So my expectation was the same as you, Grant. Oh, they're, they're doing something to pay off Mariner's past here or pay off the idea that we have to keep Mariner's true identity as the captain's daughter, as the admiral's daughter, a secret. But no, they just didn't want the drama. However, I will say that what this episode did, and I think what the series has done as a whole so far, is really do a fun job of subverting regular dramatic expectations or subverting like um, sitcom style expectations. So instead of the the expectation, instead of fulfilling an expectation a lot of us might have, which was there's this big dramatic reason why uh, Marin, no one can know Mariner is the captain's daughter. Instead, they spin that into a great, hilarious running gag about how annoying it is that everyone on the ship knows that right. Mariner is the captain's daughter. And so everyone starts sucking up to her. Everybody tries to use her to the point that she wants to get the hell off the ship. And that scene with Ransom working out and wanting to um, uh, promote her over Boimler and not sure what to do. And even the scene before <laughs> then where he's like... An apologetic suck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The scene before then where, where he's getting hard was great. You, and, you love the, him getting hard. Yeah. 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 Um, I uh, I also um, you know thought there might have been more of a payoff, but I did see um, on the ready room that Mike McMahon said that this whole the secrets out is going to be a big part of season two. So I think it's something that they're sort of setting up for what those bigger consequences might look like. Because um, yeah, at the end, you know, I think they sort of wrapped it up in a bow where you know Mariner wanted to be the anonymous fuck up and captain freeman didn't want the all of starfleet to know that her daughter is the is the fuck up so it's like uh i think they both had some some stakes in the game and i and i agree we probably could have seen more but again we had like what 25 minutes to fit essentially what would normally fit into a 44 minute star trek episode and i thought right. that they did it uh, as well as they could and and the reveal itself was really funny. Yeah. Like um, the the com badge gag. I think everybody who watches Star Trek always wonders about like how much can the other person hear mm-hmm. and how long can they hear <laughs> if I hit the com badge or if somebody like tries to communicate me, your, communicate your with me. Is- yeah, exactly. What are the privacy issues there? Which, that was really good. Completely applicable to like you know Zoom calls now and mm-hmm. like right. <laughs> you know you're fucking up and like oh am I on mute or not? Oh no. <laughs> uh, but and, you know I I like that they ripped the bandaid off real quick. You know it, this whole episode wasn't didn't have the the sword of Damocles hanging over the episode. Like, are we, is the ball going to drop? They mm-hmm. dropped it right in the beginning and they dealt with it and they did it in a funny way. And they right. did it. They actually, um, the show actually helped Boimler grow into a nice, uh, gave him a little bit of an arc here because at the beginning, um, Mariner is giving out coloring books to the kids and the planet breaking protocol for the better of the species that they're supposed to help. Um, and Boimler comes up to her and doesn't start quoting the rules. He actually starts helping her and participating. It's a new, it's a new era for our little Boim Boim, which I thought was great. <laughs> and he's doing that because he feels closer to her and he's, he, 
you know, he, he knows her secret. He feels closer to her. So the reveal of the secret kind of grew Boimler, grew that relationship a little bit. And it was really funny. Yeah. And then I feel like we almost got, we got like a cold comedy open and then we get sort of like a cold dramatic open when we see this other ship that's essentially like torn apart as they go into warp drive. And I thought the animation of it was so uh, impactful. You know, I thought they did a really great job of being like, Oh yes, this like shiny, pretty ship has now just been totally destroyed. Um, But they still did it with their lower decks way, right? Like don't wear your shoes on the nice new carpet. And like the film is still over like the, the captain's chair, you know, (laughs) Um, so I thought it was, yeah, anyway, I was just like, oh, it's like we got these two smaller pieces and it's like the starts of these A and B plots that are going to collide at some point and, um, and collide. They sure did. Yeah. The image of that claw ripping the nacelles off the ship and blowing it up was actually shocking and just a really spectacular image to drop right at the beginning of this episode, the battle animation throughout this entire episode was just amazing. Agreed. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. Once again, it's stakes and consequences that they're showing in this show with an entire ship getting killed. And, you know, we didn't have an emotional attachment to this particular ship or these people. We didn't know them, but it is a little heavier than a lot of the tone of this show thus far. And then for them to kind of add on to that, I think the, the, I'm trying to think of any other real deaths. I remember Badgie in the other episode was just like slicing people up, but there was, I guess the guy who ascended kind Mm -hmm. of maybe in a way died, but this is like the other first time where, you know, you have a whole ship of people die right in the beginning, which felt very, um, uh, Star Trek 2009. And then, you have Shaxx uh, and, and his death, and there's no going back from those. And that 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 means, okay, this is stepping up a little bit in its maturity, and it's evolving beyond just these kind of nyuk-nyuk observations about how Star Trek world works, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. This For the past maybe two or three episodes, the show really showed us that it wants to ascend from just being a parody uh, to actually part of the Star Trek canon. And this is the first time that I felt the show really fit nicely into the canon, even even as it's making jokes about canon itself. Um, And that's such a tricky thing to pull off. But I think they did it here. Yeah, and then, you know, our our sort of B-plot is with this um, uh, android-like vacuum thing named Peanut Hamper, which I thought was very funny, um, that that's mathematically the most perfect name. Um, and I thought it was such a interesting twist into the trope, right, of that Star Trek. In Star Trek, we all you know, follow the code of Spock, which is the out, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. And then she's just like, Nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love subverting that trope. Yeah. That's what this show did over and over. It was just subverting those Star Trek tropes. And uh, yeah, for those out there trying to place peanut hamper 
Uh, she was an exocomp, the worker robots that gain sentience in the quality of life episode from TNG, where Data has to has to fight for his right to uh, to be an individual. Uh, I thought she looked familiar. I had to look it up. Um, and then I also love that they sort of flip on its head that moment in the medical bay when uh, mm-hmm. Peanut is doing the procedure, and uh, you know it could have been that. Uh, <laughs> that would be very funny, CJ. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Tendi could easily be very like upset that she's no longer the star pupil, but instead is just so excited because she's, she's Tendi. <laughs> cheering her on. We should all yeah. be more like, more like Tendi. Yes. You know, your, your friend, the person you're helping out, um, uh, exceeds your expectations and maybe is better than you at something good for them. Yeah. Um, I, I like, Everybody kind of, uh, this is a finale, but I thought we gracefully got to some really organic feeling character ascensions like Tendi. Mm -hmm. Tendi is growing here at, in the pilot episode, she was the new Mm -hmm. recruit and Boimler was showing her around and now she gets to be the, uh, the liaison to the new officer and she does such a great job of it. Um, even when this new officer ends up being a really selfish prick who maybe dies in space. You know, uh, going off of your whole like subverting expectations thing. And, and I agree. That's a great point that the show does over and over. Um, how, how the, the robot refuses to uh, accept the, du- the call of duty. How uh, is that dismissive of me to just say the robot? Apologies. I mean, you could, you could call her peanut or exocomp. Yeah. (laughs) As far as PH uh, doing that, great, genius. Um, Similarly, when we see that there's the moment where, um, uh, oh man, what's his name? Rutherford uh, has his memory wiped. When she realizes this, her, her traditional response would be, oh no, the tragedy. Instead, she just looks on the bright side and she's like, Oh, sweet. We get to become friends all over again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. And as how the show continually does that, you see Rutherford, oh, I'm going to go give my boss a piece of my mind. And it's to compliment him. It's to, to build him up. And these these the show does such a great job of, of constantly changing what you expect of, of these characters. And, and it's so Star Trek because it is the Star Trek future where it's a completely new society. They don't act like they don't act the way we act. They're all positive. I don't understand yeah. it. I <laughs> exactly. hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a contrast to what is happening uh, in yeah. 2020. <laughs> I also, I thought it was, there was some really smart, and I think I saw some people on, on Twitter talking about how, um, or maybe in the Slack, there's some nice parallels to the pilot episode mm-hmm. in this episode. Like what you just said, Mike, about how Tendi is now the person giving Peanut the tour and is the mentor there. We also finally get to see where all of Mariner's contraband is all over the ship. The Batleth um, comes back from the, the first episode. Yes, totally comes back. And then we get Tendi and Rutherford also meeting again for kind of the first time uh, at the very end. And we get to see, you know, sort of Boimler and Mariner sort of step back to step one. Like their friendship is still there, but because Boimler is now on the Titan and has taken, you know, the the job promotion, 
it means they've sort of had to reset what their friendship is going to be like. So it's going to be about building what this long distance friendship looks like, because according to, to the Comic-Con panel and the, um, uh, the show with Will Wheaton that comes on later after things. Anyway, I don't remember what it's called now. The Star uh, Trek after thing show. The Star Trek after thing show. Um, you know, they talked about like, that is not something they're going to reverse for at least a while. So mm-hmm. we're going to get to see more of the Titan, which also means we get more Riker, which is fun. Um, but it also means we get to see what the lower decks on the Titan looks like, which I also think is exciting. Um, but yeah, I thought the parallels to the pilot were very smart. And, yeah, and testament, really to, testament to the quality of this show that me being a champion of them progressing the plot line for the whole season only for me to kind of bellyache about this. But I I liked the relationship. I liked the safety uh, and the dynamic of, of Boimler and Mariner and breaking up the band like that was a little bit frustrating to me. Especially with how they underlined it with Boimler like confessing, hey, you know what? I always go for these promotions in these jobs. I try to get them, but they never happen. The only reason I'm upset is because now you're doing it and I know you can get it and I don't want to lose a friend. And I was like, that that seals the, the deal of, of the stakes of this and that he appreciates, really values getting to be around her in that relationship. And then he just kind of takes the job and then ignores her and goes to her. I'm like... That's like kind of he's messed. the cool kid. Yeah, it's messed up though. It is I, I messed up. It, right it feels right after like a, a betrayal to me. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a betrayal, especially especially he just bounces right after he admits that she's his mentor. Mm-hmm. So, right, it was a weird arc for Boimler. Like Boimler seems closer than ever to Mariner at the beginning of the episode. They seem to grow closer throughout the episode. And Boimler actually earns this promotion. Um, we see um, Ransom reading all, all of his credentials, which are great. And he does a great job during the battle as well. Um, he actually earns it. And he gets promoted. And he abandons his friends, not just Mariner, all of his friends, in the process. Putting his career over things like friends friends that could become family. So we did see a progression for Boimler, but he still has a lot to learn about relationships. And he's still kind of a, kind of a lame piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's at least consistent, right? Like he's, he's consistent to character. He's, he's Mm -hmm. always been opportunistic Mm -hmm. and he's going to uh, sell out people to climb the ladder and uh, be the goody goody, right? That's that's what he did on the the evil um, medical ship when he ratted everyone out, else out to the right, when right. they were going to do the revolution on a trip to the farm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he will sell out those around him for what he thinks is good and overall best for him, which is a little bit spineless in a way. And I, I understand that there are reasons to dislike the guy, even though I, I too identify a lot with him a lot of the time. So I don't know. I, I, I get it. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, now the dynamics different and I don't know what it's going to be next season. But mm. 
I mean, I'm hoping it means we get more like Mariner Tendi adventures, which I think will be fun. Um, So I have a feeling, you know, maybe we'll get these smaller vignettes of what's happening. My prediction would be smaller vignettes of what's happening on the Titan with Boimler. And then something is going to happen that's going to like bring the team back together. Right. Overall, this is great. This is what a show should do. Because this is what we we had one season, we had 10 episodes, they made me care about all these characters to Mm -hmm. this point where I don't, I I, I find it too precious, and I don't want them to mess with the formula. And then they're like, you know what, we're gonna mess with the formula. And let's see if you can still roll with us because we're gonna be experimental. And I think that's what it should do. I I don't want to be lulled just into the safety of what this show is. This is this is season three of The Office when Jim bounces to another office and they, they have to uh, split the dynamic of like what's the running storyline over here, what's what's going on over here, and then will we eventually merge those? I mean, I would imagine inevitably they're going to merge them just for for the sake of, of ease of storytelling, but I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I appreciate the shakeup. I appreciate the, the sense of experimentation that we got here at the end that might continue in season two and the sense of subverting expectations like we've been talking about and talking about subverting expectations. The villains were the pack lids first, first appeared in TNG. The pack lids are the dim witted, slow moving, smelling their own farts as their favorite pastime dummies of the galaxy. (laughs) I have no idea who these people are. They're so dumb (laughs) and they are a joke and they've always, for 30 years they've been a joke and lower decks turns them into a genuinely threatening and dangerous enemy without really changing who they are. Oh my um, God. Every time so they were like enterprise and they're like, we're not the enterprise. <laughs> Another enterprise. <laughs> so dumb. You know, someone mentioned it up top here and I agree with them that the padlets, packlets, Packlet. mm-hmm. uh, they totally remind me of the Reavers from, uh, from Serenity, from Firefly, the the spacefaring pirate oh, junkers who were junkers. Like, like evil zombie uh, <laughs> uh, characters, but like they're just kind of dumb and they collect people's space trash and they are pirates. Yeah, they they didn't always they weren't always like that. They were always kind of junkers, but they were never nearly as threatening as the uh, the Firefly Reavers were. But now they are apparently. Apparently. So, would, what do you guys make of that kind of? I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, what What do you guys kind of make of of this idea that the commentary they're putting on Trek, the Trek universe of Starfleet's fail continual failure to keep tabs on these different civilizations and see how they progress and change and maybe for the worse. I I think it really just speaks to the um, the depth that the writers want to. Uh, put into the show. Like we have Mike McMahon and Mariah, like you mentioned earlier, the the people behind the show love and adore Star Trek and are tasked with creating a fun animated cartoon version of it. But they also have great story ideas. They've also been watching the show for 30, 40 years um, and are invested in the world and the universe of Star Trek. And so they want to build upon it and they not only want to build upon it by dropping in references every 10 minutes, they want to build upon it by challenging um, certain themes and ideas 
that Star Trek has always held true. Is the Federation perfect? Of course not. Here's what's wrong with it. And um, I th- and they're doing it with character, right? We had um, the idea that Starfleet might not be perfect and might need to change and grow, and it can be a, a, a revolving thing, came through the conversation with Mariner and her mother at the end when they're um, cementing their new partnership and their different styles and how they can work together to better the Federation. Because, yeah, the Federation's not perfect, and there are things that the Federation drops the ball on all the time. Mariner knows it, but she always does something about it. Um, because you kind of have to go, uh, you can't go by the book if you're going to do something about it, but yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I, I agree with you, Mac. I think it's really exciting. I also think it's, um, it's a smart way to sort of do the commentary about how this show used to be the alien of the week, right? Like we were meeting brand new, um, planets, brand new species, like every single week on the original series, a lot of times in uh, Next Generation, um, you know, they even make the joke like, oh, it felt like those guys were hitting up a new alien species every single week um, when they're in the elevator between Ransom and the captain. And so when we finally get to the end of the episode, it's them having the realization of like, Oh, we can't just interact with all of these folks once. Like we need to, it's, it's community building, right? Like if you're actually going to build community, you have to revisit them and bring them into the fold or else it is just that like weird colonizer sort of idealization of Star Mm -hmm. Trek where you're just Mm -hmm. conquering these places. You're a part of the Federation now. We'll come back when things go wrong. Right. But instead I think the vision that Mariner and Freeman have for the Federation is more, how can we stop all of this stuff from happening in the first place? Yeah. So do you guys overall like, I mean, tell me, tell me what you guys experienced when, when, uh, Titan shows up and, and Riker and Troy are there. Because I know you guys were getting some references. I was not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh my uh, God. Is he big into jazz, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. Oh, he plays a trombone, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the warp five, six, seven, eight made me laugh to no end. Um, I also loved the, you know, they, they got to comment on like the weird, not weird because they're in a relationship, but weird to see on a show. Uh, the like Riker Troy sexual attention on the bridge where he's like, you know, they have a little Risa there and she's like, Oh, should we bring the little statue that says we're going to bang it out? And he's like, Oh no, we're bringing the regular size statue. <laughs> and like, and then Boimler's just like, uh, we need to go and you need to top, stop talking about hook it up. Um, <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what that meant at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that I was guess really funny. it's like and sexual then, innuendo, but I don't really know. <laughs> Uh, and then wh- the Enterprise like monologue where he's like, "Sorry, it was just on watching the the oh, finale of Enterprise," and he starts saying the theme song, <laughs> "The Long Road." <laughs> that was so great because, yeah, Grant, you don't know this, but the finale, the series finale of Enterprise, is the worst series finale of Star Trek of all time. Even Enterprise fans say this because the entire finale is Riker watching 
a holodeck simulation of what's happening on the TV show Enterprise. It's not even took place in a snow globe. (laughs) Exactly. That's what it, that's all it is. And so, yeah, in this episode for them to reference that for them to reference the, uh, the worst Star Trek finale in one of the best Star Trek series season finales was just icing on the cake. And the fact that he was singing the song, I don't even have to sing it here because Riker already uh, referenced the song. Already did it. But I was going to say Riker has now been on three finales because he was on Enterprise. yeah. He was on Picard and then he was on Lower Decks and his Picard to Lower Decks are both him swooping in to sort of save the day. <laughs> yeah, is that going to be a new, that man. a new finale tradition? Frakes drops in to save the day. I also yeah. think Frakes is, I think now Frakes is the guy who's been on the most Star Trek series. Yes, he's been on the he most series. A, he was on Enterprise, TNG. He was on DS9. He was on Voyager. He was on this. That's five. And Picard, six. And so, Picard. yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, but this is the first time we actually get to see a physical ran- ran- uh, rendering of the Titan. Because um, we've screen. never yeah. on screen. Yeah. Which is very cool. I swear, the comments have given me homework on like <laughs> six episodes they want me to watch here. It's, it's not happening. It's because they care. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Mike and Mariah trick me. Now, I'm not watching any of that old stuff. Uh, it is a little sad to me that Clyde isn't here because that dude loves Titan yeah. and Riker. And he like read the whole Titan like book series. He, he was texting me today. He's like, I, just, I wish I could be there. This was my episode. Uh-huh. But he'll definitely be back for Discovery. And we'll ask him about what he thought about the Titan showing up here. And I, I do. Two, I'm sure when we're really yeah. going to get into it. I do have a question. Like I was confused as to why the Titan had the uh, TNG movie um, uniforms. Like everybody in the Titan had the TNG movie uniforms. Mm. Cause I don't know. I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The grays. I don't the know. Gray. I like them, but yeah. That didn't make sense. Is that not supposed to carry over? Like he, he graduated from TNG to that other ship. Is it like an idea of like, have we ever seen him on the Titan before in like a different type of uniform? Mm-mm. No, I mean, the uniform he was wearing was what they were wearing on the on the Enterprise before he moved to the Titan. Usually the uniforms change by era, not by ship. Maybe it's just by uh, Captain's Decree. We're wearing the old yeah. retro shit, guys. <laughs> exactly. This is what yeah. I was comfortable that, with. I like the might... polyester feel on my skin. That's all I want to <laughs> stick to. It might be what it is. Yeah. Uh, um, in the future, polyester is very comfortable. Very comfy. At all. I Wonderful. wanted to say I loved the music cues when the Titan showed up as well, playing yeah. uh, the TNG theme song in the background. It was very exciting. I like that. I'm just going to run through a few things that were great. Um, it was cool that Captain Freeman finally showed that she's a really competent captain when she realizes that the pack lids will destroy the ship with their clamps. Cause she's like, that must've been what happened to the other ship. So she orders them not to go to warp, even though anyone else will go to warp. Right. I like that a lot. Um, and then she shows the deference to uh, Mariner to, Mariner to be like, you are uh, uh, an incredible rapid fire, like problem solver under stress. And outside the box thinker, what do you got for me? And Badgie returned, and oh he's still as <laughs> homicidal as ever, and he tries to fucking kill Rutherford again. 
the relationship there is so funny, and I really hope it's not the last we see of Badgie. I don't think uh, it will be. Especially as um, Rutherford now will be the father of of a, a kid he doesn't even remember creating. <laughs> right? I, I'm wondering, <laughs> the conflict. what if he makes a second Badgie because he doesn't remember making OG Badgie and he's like <sighs> making these training programs again and His then we get double Badgie episode. <laughs> Good Badgie, badgie versus Badgie. badgie. It's like, a, yeah, it's a mirror versus Badgie, right? Yes. <laughs> I thought um, before he dies, Shaq's picking up and carrying Rutherford was just wonderful. Rutherford's like, I can run too. Um, <laughs> and just Shaq's going out exactly how he wanted to on the greatest day of his life was just somewhat deep and great. Like Shaq's sacrifice and heroism was was just really, really lovely in this episode. And they just they did it well. That entire sequence when he when he first picks up Rutherford, carries him to the ship, and blasts off, cutting the hole through the the um, whatever our ship's called, uh, and to go out to Cerritos. Cerritos, like the whole whole way through, he was a, a man driven with purpose and um, fully in charge of his destiny, even as he rushed toward um, the inevitability of his death. And his it was a very heroic death, which just sealed. What a great, albeit brief, uh, glimpse of that character it was. And in Star Trek fashion, a tactical officer dies in the first season, mm -hmm. just like Tasha Yar from uh, TNG. I like that they let him die. It reminds us that this show just does exist in the larger Star Trek universe and that people do die in Star Trek and in space where these strange, dangerous situations happen all the time. Yeah, I'm hoping they, I think what would be fun, because Fred uh, Tadascore, who voices Shax, is like a legend voice actor. And so I'm hoping that whoever the new security officer is, is also still voiced by Fred, because I think that would be like a fun way to play with the idea like, yes, we killed off this character, but the actor is still here because this is an animated show. <laughs> right. I'm Shax, Shax's brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I look exactly like him. Let's oh just move God. on as if nothing happened. That would be amazing. I'm going to jump into some of these comments. And if you have a comment um, on the live stream, on the live chat, just type in POD, capital POD, before your comment. Uh, Wakanda customer service, talking about the uniforms in this episode. Doesn't the Discovery have different mm -hmm. uniforms from other ships like the Enterprise? Could it just be the kind of class of work they do? changes their uniform yeah that's a good explanation for it they do have the different uniforms on disco and on the enterprise the enterprise has like the more classic um colorful uniforms where disco has the blue um and yeah um the titan and the cerritos are different classes of ships so that would make sense um <laughs> if this is not explicitly outlined and mapped out and completely explained by some hardcore Trekkie, I'm going to com be completely shocked here. That's that's y'all's jam, isn't it? <laughs> like, Grant, what are you doing the rest of the night? You and I need to do this. <laughs> it ain't me. It ain't me, fam. That's someone else. Uh, here's another one. This comes from Wakanda Customer Service, who says, Pod, I don't think I would be too upset with a friend taking a promotion and moving on to another city. Mariner's always bumping into old friends she was close to. Why is Boimler any different? 
And it's true. And, it, you know, it it's may be true. fine. It may be that they're constantly Zoom chatting like we are in our current dystopian hellish nightmare of a reality. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think that them having being bunkmates and the closeness of that relationship is just a testament to how well the show did at developing that relationship and making me care about it so that when he moves on, it has the emotional weight that they are intending. Mm-hmm. The, it, success, I'm mad at you, Lower Decks. <laughs> I wish yeah. you didn't split up the band. And uh, I am also at the same time uh, captivated and, and you got me for another season. I do think it feels different in this particular case because we heard Boimler say to Mariner, I don't want you to get the promotion because I want us to stay together because we're best friends. And so then it's like when you double reverse it back, it does feel a little, a little backstabby, but Mm. like a a light backstabbing, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Going back to uniforms, my favorite subject, home chicky says, Hey, TNG and DS nine were on at the same time, but they had different uniforms. That's true. But TNG had the starship uniforms, just like every other starship in that era. And DS nine had the space station uniforms. So that made more sense. Also when, um, TNG spun off into the movies, they got the grays. And then when DS nine premiered that season, when that the first movie came out with the TNG cast with the gray uniforms, DS nine also had the grays. So the, the uniforms synced up then anyway, Uniform inconsistency, goddammit. It's whatever the <laughs> costume designer feels is probably going to look yeah. based on the lighting that they have, the sets that they have, the cameras that they have. Like all It's of animated. There's no lighting. Uh, CJ Higgins <laughs> has a good uh, a, a good theory. Uh, they're wearing the, the grays and the blacks because they are more slimming. Mm. Keeping it toy. I, I should <laughs> switch to those. <laughs> um. I like this comment from Phil about Boimler isn't different. And perhaps this is how Mariner always reacts. It's true. We haven't actually seen, you know, how this particular uh, situation happens to her. We've only seen the after effects, which are always the like, Oh, Hey friend, I've made along the way. And perhaps she feels like that contact doesn't always happen. And because of this closeness to Boimler, it feels a little bit different, but who knows? We will see. Yeah. How it progresses. Well, and uh, yeah, Chupi uh, says Grant needs to see Return of the Archons. The, oh, I uh, know. There, there's been a, a TOS episode. Several people giving recommendations for stuff I need to watch. I see. I see these out of the corner of my eye while we're we're doing this show, and I go, mm-hmm. "No, no more homework for me." <laughs> more, more uniform fun. Phil R said Voyager never adopted the Grays. That's, That's true because be- they were stuck. Because they were stranded. Yeah, they were stranded out in the Delta Quadrant and didn't have any communication. But they kind of did on the show Adopt a Grace because when they establish a communication link to the Alpha Quadrant, everybody in the Alpha Quadrant they were talking to was wearing the Grace, but Voyager wasn't. Do Mm. y'all have a favorite uniform? The Grays. The Grays? Is that... I have to look what the Grays... Oh, just the the DS9 Season 7 uniform. Or the first contact uniform. The one that Riker was wearing in this episode. I think mine might be between uh, Discovery and perhaps these lower deck uniforms. Because I think they look pretty crisp. 
you know, hard to say what they'd look like on a, a non-animated form, but I think they look pretty cool. Um, what did you think of Mariner's one-time bad date saying Wolf 359 <laughs> was an inside job? <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. I, I think that maybe that was a, that, that might've been a pretty sly kind of mean reference to um, Roberto Orki or Orsi who um, was a co-writer of the, uh, the J.J. Abrams Trek movies, because uh, he is a truther. He's a 9-11 truther. Oh, and no. he was supposed to write and direct Star Trek Three, but he got a little too wacky, so they kind of kicked him out of the franchise. And that's why Peg took over? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I it's really funny, because like when you... So for, for Grant, Wolf 359 is when Picard goes full Borg and kills a ton of people. <laughs> um, so it's like, technically... You could say it was an inside yeah. job, but not. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and he's also like a Holocaust denier, like denying the Dominion War and stuff. That was so good. My favorite costumes or outfits, uniforms, uniforms, yeah. uh, would be, I, I really like the ones that are being worn in the the Star Trek Kelvinverse movie series, mm. where they're wearing like the black turtlenecks with like the yellow or blue or red kind of long john over top it just looks really comfortable to me mm -hmm. the material and like weight of it and i'm like hmm, i'd wear that that feels yeah nice here's a comment that references mariah from phil mm -hmm. uh per mariah's comment about designer dictating uniforms that's the whole reason command and sec tech switch colors in tng designer determined that picard and Riker look better in red Mm -hmm. That's right, because Command was originally yellow. Mm -hmm. Huh. Ha-ha. Yeah. Artistic licenses. <laughs> well, this has been a fun stream talking about this episode. Do you guys want to talk? Do you have anything else to say about this episode or about, about Star Trek costumes? Because I could oh, talk man. about that all night. I had a couple more references I thought were funny. There is the moment when Riker tells Mariner... Why don't you buy me a drink? And Mariner yells, but we don't use money anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's like, come on. Remember I saved your ass that time in space with the aliens. Um, and then I think it's funny that we finally get a reference back in the show because they're heading to um, Telgana 4, which is where uh, Boimler and Mariner went on that adventure to try to bring the Klingon to the negotiating table. And they go through all the little different uh, you know, subsets of different species who are all living on that planet, which is where we get the Risa sort of situation. Um, yeah, and then I just wrote down jazz. So I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I saw a lot of people talking about the Spock helmet today in our mm -hmm. Slack. That was a fun little reference as far as the contraband. Um, and then, you know, we got some blood wine. And apparently there's a Tribble, which uh, Mariner says is for personal use. I don't know what she's using that Tribble for, but. <laughs> oh, and. Uh, does it work? <laughs> I don't know. Personal use Tribble. Um, the the quick scene with uh, Deanna, Troy, and Ransom was perfect. Oh, yeah. Would Maybe they tribbles. also get that? Because I can work with that. <laughs> so good. I'm thinking Tribbles are loofahs in space. Have you They're never seen the mind. trouble with Tribbles? No. Oh, that might be the uh, a TOS we need to watch for the Patreon because I get it. It's gremlins, right? They get wet and they multiply. I mean, sort of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. They're fuzzy <laughs> and cute, though. 
Well, Gremlins 2 then. <laughs> Where they, we get all the cute ones. Yes. We, we are, Lower Decks is over for this season, but uh, Discovery is just starting next week. We will be back Thursday, every Thursday to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We're covering every single episode. Uh, we are excited for that. Uh, Home Chicky says triples vibrate. Oh, no. Home Chicky says triples vibrate. No. Personal use. Oh, no. Beep, 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 beep. All right. Thank it's you so much for season. joining the pod this week. <laughs> Remember, you can find us live on YouTube every Thursday, Talking Trek, of course, covering Discovery every single week, starting next week with the season three premiere. Uh, Mariah, time for you to talk. Yes. So you should make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode, especially as we get into the next season of Discovery. You're going to want all of the hot freaks. You're going to want all of Mariah's crazy conspiracy theory corners about where we're going for this season. It's going to be a great time. Uh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. Please give us those five stars if you will. All of this information can be found at StarTrekPod.co. And I tried to tell you guys this at the top of the episode, but I know I was having some audio problems. Apologies to everyone there. But I want your money. We want your money. <laughs> uh, go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And there you can make a per episode pledge to us. Give us a buck an episode, two bucks an episode. Right now is a great time for you guys to jump on the bandwagon because, as you know, we're jumping into season three of Star Trek Discovery, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Tell your friends to come join us and uh, join the Slack channel at $2 an episode over at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. We try to make it worth it. We got our badass women of Trek. We got our best of seven of nine. We got our exploration of the Genesis storyline of TOS movies. We got the Calvinverse movies. We got more coming for you guys. Please join us. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Make your pledge today. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek Pod. And thank you, Karen, who runs our Twitter. Thank you, James, who runs our Insta. Thank you so much for joining us again on the pod. Mariah, where can we find you online? I'm at Mariah Gossett on all social media platforms. It's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Grant Davis. At Baron Von Grant. Boom. Right there. Find me at Mike M. Garcia on Twitter. See you next week. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>